Our world started with a data explosion marked by an exponential growth in the volume, velocity, and variety of data being piped in and out of organizations. However, despite this new wealth in technology and data, businesses had never been so challenged to drive revenue growth. Plagued by dark, siloed, unusable data, rendering their go-to-market motions useless. Until one day, the most courageous data heroes took back control of their company's most valuable asset transforming their customer data sets from a burden to a true system of insight, capable of automating sales motions, delivering personalized marketing programs at scale, and driving predictable revenue growth for their business. Welcome to the Data Heroes podcast powered by Ringlead. All right, welcome everybody to today's version of Talk Data to Me. We've got a data hero on the line today, and we're Pleased to have you. Melissa Day is the Global Digital Marketing Leader at Camores, also a Marketo champion, and we're very happy to have you. Thank you for having me. So we like to kind of just jump in and get to know people when we uh, bring them onto the show and, and, and try to understand, like, what was your path to becoming a data hero? As any hero, I have an origin story, though mine come from very, very humble beginnings. I was actually interning at a consulting firm out in New York City and had no idea what I wanted to do. I came out of college with, a, with you know, a background in communications, um, but I didn't know what I wanted to do with it, whether it would be marketing or business or uh, what have you. So I interned. And one of the first things that I got tasked with was logging into Salesforce, which I had never heard of, let alone understand the use case of, you know, pushing leads to salespeople. I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing yet. But someone had imported a list of about a thousand people into Salesforce with the first name and the last name flipped. So, I mean, what better task for an intern, right? Get coffee and flip these fields back. So I spent about a week not ever being in this tool before, going into individual records, copying the last name, pasting it in the first name, copying the first name, pasting in the last name and save it. And, and after a week of that, I just sat and said, there has to be a better way to do this, even though everyone told me that there wasn't. And I, I don't know, it took me 10 minutes on Google to figure out how to you know export a list of people, do the data swap it in Excel, import it back in. It's such an obvious thing today. This was, you know, over 10 years ago. Um, and all of a sudden, something clicked in my head that, you know, this is obviously a need. This is a huge gap in this space that I'm in. Uh, maybe there's there's something for me. So I kept trying to just hone in on those skills and know the technology stack better than anyone at the group I was in. They brought me on full time and I just started to fall in love with marketing automation and operations and making sure that our data was really um, refined and clean and supporting the overarching business goals that I came to understand that we really had. That's a pretty amazing story. Um, <laughs> you know, everyone is so unique. And so, you know, you've got a communications background, but then you've got data, you know, even manual entry, which is probably one of the biggest pains of any sales or marketing or, or, or person who has to deal with a CRM or a marketing system. Um, what about, you know, you kind of told us the horror story, but are there any, are there any other like really da big data horror stories that you've had to clean up other than, you know, the flip-flop names? 
Oh, big data horror stories. I mean, they always they always crop up. Early days of trying to uh, standardize like an operational process for our marketing organization at, at various companies that I've been a part of. I couldn't even tell you which group this was, but I remember someone butchering an import in Salesforce, but not realizing, right? Imports in Salesforce are really difficult. You have to match up such specific and unique identifiers to make sure that you're not creating duplicate records, which this happened, or that they're getting assigned to the wrong person, which that happened. Like if, if it could have gone wrong, it went wrong. And it was about 5,000 records that we were putting in. Um, although it wasn't me, I just happened to see some funny things happen in Marketo because of it. And so to try to go on this data hunt of where did this person come from and why is everything wrong and who were they assigned to and how did they get here to find this massive file, have to undo that whole that whole work. Um, what it really created for us was the obvious need to have this standardized process to make sure that the data was in the hands of people who knew what to do with it. And then to pick in in a, in a MarTech stack where you have multiple platforms that have the same capability, which one are you using? How are you getting the most out of the tools that you have? And so much of our issue, Marketo really solved for with automatic deduplication and, and certain other capabilities that Salesforce doesn't have even in the import wizard. So it just came down to surviving the horror and then figuring out how do you not have that happen again, which I think is what most data processes come from is something went wrong. So how do we prevent this? Right? Yeah. There's about nothing that can mess up your database as fast as imports other than maybe syncing a, a downstream system. <laughs> I, I remember, you know, I've trained a lot of people on how to import data and even family members, you know, it's like, uh, it, it, it probably takes you 15 to 20 times before you actually feel confident that you're importing data properly into Salesforce or you know, even with a great tool. I think, you know, I always import to our own tool for that, but it's like you can mess it up so many different ways. What it came down to is I ended up through trial and error creating a standardized template where like anybody who ever sends me a sheet, it goes into my template. And then I can I'll have it auto mapped and like, you know, like uh, it has like owner columns and other fields in Salesforce that you need to auto check even if you're just throwing a file and it's just a, a painful process. It is. There's not a lot of getting around it besides defining, okay, we have to get through this. We have to have data imports. So how do we do it in, in the cleanest way possible, in the safest way possible? You know, data doesn't have to be scary. I think it gets a bad rap because it's so fragile. It's so tricky. But if you have people who are comfortable and confident in the tools that you have, and they know where the data is going. And then you put those people in a position to be able to define the process and understand the end result of the business goals to consult along the way. I think that's the sweet spot. That's the groove that I found myself in. Let me be the person who knows the most about the technology, but let me also be dangerous enough to understand why we're using it in the way that we are so that the gray area in between I can consult on how to use the tool to get it to achieve the goal that we have without messing up the import, without ruining the lead score, without, you know, yeah. whatever the case might be. Speaking of imports, right, and Salesforce not having like a unique or native functionality to prevent something like a duplicate, like what do you do 
when or or do you have ever have an issue where Salesforce imports records and then they sync to Marketo and then Marketo can't even do their their you know their email match? Like, do you find that you'll you'll find duplicates seeping into Marketo and your possible duplicates tab from that Salesforce connection? Oh yeah, that is. I think there's a weekly task on my calendar to check that list. It's it's never empty. There's always something. Um, we there's just constant movement in in Salesforce more so than we have in Marketo. And there's only so much control, right? And there could be the smallest of updates to a field that you as a user may not be aware that that field triggers something else, triggers something else, triggers something else. You know that ultimately creates a duplicate issue potentially. Mm-hmm. But I find it happening the same way in reverse. We uncovered an issue that we didn't realize how big it was or that this was, I don't want to say a limitation of the tool, but just a very niche kind of a challenge that you have to know about. When I inherited the Marketo instance that I have now at Comores, a lot of the lead routing was built into Marketo. I spent a long time trying to remove that Um I'm of the school of thought that belongs in a sales force, right? Because it has to do with the salespeople and leads getting assigned in that platform. But it was all locally done in Marketo. The biggest problem was that Marketo was routing lead records, or I should say people records, to queues in Salesforce. I don't know if you've ever done that before or had a program set up, a smart campaign that directly assigns people to a queue in Salesforce. But if you have a contact in Salesforce who's already merged to the person in Marketo and Marketo tries to put them in a queue, contacts can't belong to a queue. Only leads can. So Marketo doesn't know what to do and it spontaneously creates a net new lead record. And now half of your data is in the contact record and you have this completely blank lead who's sitting in this queue. The reason why they're there, whatever happened, the download that they had or the email they opened, All of that is on their contact record. So you have a lead and you don't know where it came from and it's sitting in a queue and the people who own the queue don't know what to do with it. And so not only is your data bad, but now you get into bad behaviors of, well, there's bad data in here, so I'm not going to spend my time looking here. Yeah, you like degrade the confidence in the queue, right? Um, Let's go back to you a little bit, right? Um, What made you like pick Marketo? Like, why did you decide to put yourself all behind? You know, I I know you know all these other systems, but you're a Marketo champion, right? Like, what was it that made you kind of put your own brand towards Marketo? I, I have always been a really big fan of Marketo. I've been in the tool for 10 years. Um, and I have, I've used other marketing automation platforms and other ad hoc platforms that try to do the same thing or email platforms. Um, With Marketo, it's a little bit more difficult to get involved. I would admit that the the user interface isn't as straightforward or as friendly to someone who's new to marketing automation or digital marketing, understanding the connection between programs and people and, and marketing attribution and acquisition. But Marketo is unmatched in its capability that it gives you. You're not locked into a specific series of workflow steps you're not locked into specific filtering criteria. If, if you can imagine piecing it together with the data that you have available in Marketo, you can make it happen. So it's very much almost like this Wizard of Oz kind of a land. If you can, if you can think of it, you can do it as long as the data is there and the data 
is clean. So it really matches my own personal style that I try to bring to the workplace. Anything is possible. Let's get as much data as we can, and then we can do anything we want with it. That's awesome. Um, You know, a lot of our readers or listeners, for that matter, like to dive into the topic of, you know, first off, it, it it stems from better targeting, personalization, but at its core, it's like, hey, there are profiles that are right for certain situations and there are profiles that are not, right? And if you sell to businesses, to, in, in my kind of with my sales and marketing background, but more heavily focused on selling, I feel like it's all about the company, right? And I really want to focus on like, what is the ideal account that, you know, we can sell to? And it could be who's in market along with, do they have you know, capital or whatever it is, a, a need for your, your product or service. But do you have any clever ways to, or, or just, you know, strategy around creating profiles of businesses or people that are, are right to be sold to? And how do you guys kind of tackle that, that challenge? That's a great question. And, and I think there are so many ways that you can tackle that challenge, right? I think account-based marketing is always a great tactic to leverage if you know that you have target accounts you're going after. You know, take the technology out of it and take the data out of it for a second and find the right strategy to apply, right? And once you find that fit, if you know that you have target companies, ABM is a great strategy. You'll start to uncover what the key pieces of data are that you need and then what technology you have that you need to support it. And a lot of times you might find that you already have what you need in-house, versus starting with a tool and and trying to work backwards. Um, But I think that's a really great way, if you know up front who the companies are and you're looking to get in, um, you can also leverage an approach like that, trying to select the data in companies that do make up your ideal customer profile and then develop what you would call a lookalike group, right? So we don't, maybe we don't know the companies we want to work with, but we really like working with company A, company B, company C. Let's use the data across the three to identify what are some of the shared components, because that's going to identify this generic profile that then we're going to look for other companies to match, to indicate to us, this is a target company for us. This is an ideal company for us. And all of that you can manage within your database. You just want to make sure that your intake of of new leads, right, that are representing different companies, that you're capturing all the information you need to make that connection so that you can tell right from the beginning. That's great advice. Um, That kind of segues into another kind of orchestration of data topic of normalizing job titles, right? Is this something that you are using, you know, Marketo to do? And is it something that you're like, constantly creating variations for or or like how do you tackle normalizing job titles and other types of data that you get into that system? That is such a tricky question. Um, It's another one where there's a lot of different approaches. What I'll try to do is to leverage progressive profiling. It's always helpful to see what people have to say about their own job title, right? My job title, global digital marketing leader, I can type that into a box and and someone could have a smart campaign that may pull out keywords, right? Look for a job title with marketing in the title or leader in the title, right? To indicate their decision-making level. 
But at the same time, if I'm filling out a form that doesn't ask me for job title, but gives me a drop down to describe the role that I play in my company, that's a surefire way to standardize that information. You're still getting it from the lead. They're still, you know, selecting for you, which they, you know, are, are most closely tied to. And it gives you the ability to offer the options that mean the most to you. So if that job title does mean the most from a decision-making ability, define your pick list values around that. I am a leader at my company. I am a manager at my company. I am, a, you know, a worker bee at my company. However, that that lays out. If you're more interested in, in the role that they cover or the type of work that they do, then you ask different types of questions like, um, or you give different pick list values, right? You are a designer versus you are a consultant versus you are, you know, a, um, a manager uh, or an executive. Yeah, that's like, a, you know, one of those kind of everybody has their own opinion about whether reducing the number of fields on forums actually improve the number of leads. And, and again, coming back from sales, I'm like, well, I remember when we have had times where we asked little to nothing and times when we asked for like, did, do you use Salesforce or Dynamics or this or that? And, you know, maybe the lead flow suffered a little bit, but like <laughs> if you're offering something of value, right? Something like so an ebook, maybe just an email, but still, if it's a weird, you know, a high profile content piece or middle of the funnel or something that's going to indicate interest, it's like, I have no problem extending the information ask for something when we're going to provide value to somebody because then they're going to provide value back to you. And the value they provide back to you in this case would be, how do I communicate with you right? <laughs> like, who are you? What is your persona? And I don't want to spam you. I want to be like a, a personalized, you know, automation engine that can keep you, you know, stimulated with great content, not bother you one bit. And so, like, when I have this conversation, yeah, I don't want to ask a ton of contact information, but I do want to ask critical things. I'm not willing to reduce my forms uh, too much to, to, to sacrifice the quality of the interaction. I think that's, that's such a great point. Your data, so not from a data perspective as, as a Marketo champ managing data, right? But the perspective of someone who has data, I fill out forms, I download white papers. Um, that data is my currency, right? So I am only going to give you as much data as I think is worth for the product that you mentioned. So if I'm going to sign up for an e-newsletter and you want to know my phone number, I'm probably not going to fill out your form. So there's a difference between number of fields too and, and the level of data that you're asking me to give you, the level of commitment that I feel like I'm making in giving you this information. But going back to progressive profiling, I think that's the sweet spot. Sometimes sales and marketing, historically tricky relationship to manage, right? If you pull too many of the requirements from sales and think that they're requirements for everything that you do in marketing, you may think that for every lead, you need a phone number, you need a job title, you need this role segmentation, you need their industry. But the fact is that you don't, right? The fact is, if you ask up front, the first interaction that you have with someone, you're not sending that lead to a salesperson the first time they sign up for any e-newsletter or the first time that they download your ebook. See, if you ask them questions over the course of time, you start with the role segment. The second time you see them, instead of, instead of asking for a role segment, you ask for a job title. The third time, instead of asking for either of those things, you ask for a phone number. You're building this more complete profile as you go that a salesperson can leverage 
But as the person who owns the data, who's giving it away, they don't feel like they're giving it all away at once. I just love that. So, so let's dive a little deeper into that. Like, how do you actually do that in Marketo? Can you give us like some just general terminology of how you technically are able to progressively profile somebody as they engage with your brand over time? I mean, what are the, the technical ways that you do that? Well, the first thing before you jump into technical is you want to develop a plan. You want something that is going to cover you before you just start clicking buttons because you want to know what buttons you're clicking and why. So the first thing to develop is to almost match what fields you want to capture based on where a person is in that journey. How many times do you think they'll be reaching out to you before they hit their MQL, right? Their marketing qualified lead status based on lead scoring points, potentially. For us, it could be maybe five form fills before you hit that threshold. So that starts to give me an idea that I may have that many opportunities to ask some new questions. And then I can break it down and say, what do I want to know over time? I always need to ask for email address. I make it a a practice to always ask for first and last name just to make sure that we have the same person from the same computer, right, filling out the form again. Um, And then you start to identify what fields don't I need to to collect every time. I don't need to ask for company name every time, right? I don't need to ask for industry once I've asked for it the first time. Instead, I want to swap in these fields. Once you have that plan, once you have that map, Marketo makes it ridiculously easy. You go into your form and within the settings, you can just activate progressive profiling. You add a little window to your form and just pinpoint, these are all of the fields that I'm making progressive. Here's how many fields I want to show at a time. And Marketo takes care of the rest. So every time the person sees that form and fills it out, it'll look a little bit different. You're not building form one, form two, form three, form four to look different every time. Marketo's taking care of that for you for each visit that the form gets from the same person, just swapping those fields out. I, I love that. And I, you know, I'm a I'm like a sucker for a template as well and like or or knowledge and education and wondering. You know, obviously, you just did a great job of explaining that. But, like, is there any sort of resource you know online or a free download that gives a great life cycle planning model for something like progressive profiling? That's such a great question. I know the Marketo community is full of information about how to set up progressive profiling. It's also full of information about customer lifecycle stages. In Marketo, you can leverage the revenue cycle model, right, to really outline what those lead stages look like and, and build somewhat of a map. Um, relating that back to progressive profiling, I don't know that I've seen that blend before even though it's the way that I, I would think to build progressive profiling out in my instance. Yeah, it's like it's like a, a spreadsheet. I, I'm starting to see like a, 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 a nice spreadsheet that has life cycle stages tied to all the attributes. Mm. So we have this all recorded. We can uh, we can collaborate on that. I think I'll need to build it. Like click here to, to see the blog that I just wrote that, exactly. <laughs> that has that template. <laughs> yeah, no, that's super cool. Um you know, getting deeper into, you know, like the Salesforce relationship. Um, you know, sometimes I see companies where marketing ops and sales ops are aligned like glue, right? And then other times, you know, you'll see organizations uh, where 
the two don't collaborate that much. Um, but in terms of kind of the you know the 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 connection to Salesforce, you know the one of the biggest challenges I see is that the account data set in Salesforce doesn't sit on the person data set in Marketo natively. And, and I'm just wondering if you have any, you know, tips and tricks or, or, or if, you, if it even matters to you, you know, like what do you guys do or what would be the, you know, things that some of the Marketo champions in the community are, are doing to, to, to solve that issue? That's a that's a great question and a common challenge. It's a known limitation of Salesforce, right? A lead record is only a lead record. It's not connected to anything really except a campaign or a task, but you can't connect it to an opportunity or a contact or an account until you you make that conversion. So on the one hand, why would you need lead information to be associated to an account? Well, going back to your question about having specific accounts who you're targeting, if you have a new lead come in associated to a target account, you want to know and you want to make that distinction right away um, so that you can prioritize that lead. If you're implementing a lead scoring model, you give them extra points for being associated with a particular account or an account that's a part of a particular industry or in a certain region. So sometimes you really do want that company level data. On the flip side, you may not need all company level data for all of your leads, right? So automating for the sake of automating as a bit of a data nerd sometimes is something I have to remind myself. Like, let's not just do it just because we can. Let's not just build the automation if we don't have a great reason. That, what I just was mentioning, I think is the best reason. Knowing that you have certain companies who you're targeting and wanting to make sure that you don't miss leads who are connected. It gives you a way to lessen the the scope of all of the accounts that you have to who are the ones that you care about. And you can identify a couple of other data strategies to figure out how can we make this pseudo connection that doesn't really exist. So if you're targeting the Acme company and you know that their domain is theacmecompany.com, you can build a smart list in Marketo to show you anyone with an email address that contains at theacmecompany.com. And if you're requesting that people give you business emails, chances are you're going to be able to make that match pretty easily. You mm-hmm. can also run smart lists that'll tell you if people have typed in, you know, the Acme company and company name. And there's a little bit that you have to accept where it's not going to be perfect without trying to throw on an extension or an additional tool or build, you know, some crazy flow in Salesforce to do some level of, of lead to account matching. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, I also, you know, wanted to ask about like, how do you guys, um, or not how do you guys, but, you know, just in terms of best practice, do you feel like demographic data should be part of lead scoring? Or is, you know, like I, I get mixed signals all the time here. Like, no, it's behavior only. Like, I don't care about their demographics or vice versa. It's like, no, we care more about demographics and, you know, less about engagement until it's a certain stage. So I'd love to hear your take on whether or not you think, you know, business demographics or should be, be taken in, into consideration. I know there are two different scoring structures in Marketo, but like, how do you utilize the two different score sets? The most beautiful thing about Marketo, right? Like, like, like all of the functionality, the flexibility and the capability, you could have as many score sets as you want. You're not limited to one or two or 10. You could build as many custom lead scores as you want to add things together. You can have demographic data, personal data. You can have industry data, firmographic data, and all of these develop individual scores 
I'm not recommending that, but it's possible. So you can. I think it's a really personal question to the specific instance and the lead scoring. And it also comes back, I think, to B2B versus B2C and what level of the value chain are you selling into? I think that starts to define whether demographic data really matters or not. For us at Comores, it does. That company data is as important to us as the individual person who's reviewing our data. Because at the end of the day, any of the products that we sell, any of the partnerships that we form are with more than just that person. It really is truly with the company. And sometimes the individual person who begins to engage with our material is not the person in the long run that we're developing that partnership and that customer relationship with. So for that reason, the demographic scoring is important to us. But at that same time, there are companies that I know where it's not. The, the personal information, the behavioral scoring, that's more important. And then when you get into B2C, you get into this whole other framework where maybe age range is important. And you start to almost talk about individual firmographic data, putting people into categories. Mm-hmm. You know, I also have one last question. I think this is asked all the time and I'm not sure if there is a solution for it but it's like you know as somebody who kind of wants to see rapid change in an organization you may want to reassign a set of records or you may want to update a field like a you know a propensity to buy field on every lead in your database or something right like whenever you make an update to like a hundred thousand or more leads in Salesforce like huge backlog in Marketo. What is the remedy to this backlogging kind of on on mass changes to leads? Can you, and is there any? Oh, I mean, I guess I pray, you know, there's always, there's always a fear. I still, I've been in Marketo for 10 years. I feel so confident about what I do. And I still have that pit in my stomach, just upset feeling if I'm going to send an email to more than 10,000 people, or I'm like, do I really want to click the button? Maybe I want to QA it one more time. You know, as someone who manages data, who manages marketing automation, I don't know if you'll talk to anybody who feels any less nervous about it. I would be concerned about them if, if they were, right? Do you understand the control that you have <laughs> by making this big of an update? But once you get past that, there, of course, there is a way to go through and to do that. And there are a lot of times where it makes sense and it needs to be done. I think it goes back to, again, just having developing a plan ahead of clicking the buttons and using the capability, making sure that you understand what the impact is going to be. Um, and I would never you know, run a backlog batch campaign of some sort to update data values on 100,000 records at a time, right? There are different techniques that you use starting with a QA of like one test record. Does, does everything blow up if I make this data update on one person? Okay, now let me try a batch that's a little bit bigger, just trying to mitigate the risk as you go instead of doing it as quickly as you can and clicking that button, making sure that you're spending the time to say, what's the impact when I launch this? What's the impact right now? What's the impact in a few hours? Does everything look okay? And bringing in someone else so that you don't end up on an island. I think it's really easy probably for a lot of people who are engaging with your content, us data people sometimes do work as a team of one. We don't always have a counterpart or someone else in our organization who understands exactly, you know, what it is that we do um, or how much power that we have. So really trying to bring someone else in, whether they're from your organization or 
if you're in Marketo, in the Marketo community, someone else to just run past your idea, make sure that there's nothing that you're missing just to mitigate that risk even more. Okay, great. Well, um, for all those listeners out there who are fighting the good fight of trying to get their data clean, um, I think we all run into a similar roadblock and it's like, you know, I'm, I, you know, you're the, the head of digital, amazing, you know, responsibility, a lot of leadership there. How do you go upstream in your organization and say, hey, I need to invest in a tool or tools to clean data and keep it clean? Like, what do you think people should focus on in terms of like business outcomes so that people take them seriously when they go try to ask for, you know, help cleaning this problem up? Well, I think it's all about knowing your audience, right? It depends on who you're going to to ask for the investment, whether it's a financial investment or an investment of time or energy or just, you know, being the champion of a particular program. What do they care about? If you're talking to someone in within a sales organization, your message may be more closely focused to revenue, right? So it's not really about cleaning the data. It's about what clean data can get you. By cleaning the data, we will have more effective lead scoring. And by doing that, I will be able to provide your sales organization with better leads or with leads that have more data so that they can be, you know, more easily, you know, qualified in advance of, of giving a phone call. If you're talking to someone in the marketing organization, you know, it may be more of a measurement of time, right? I'm going to be saving time in our marketing campaigns or wondering who we should be targeting, or trying to build out segments for who we're going to be emailing. Cleaning the data is going to take care of all of that for us. So the time that we gain, we can really put into developing further marketing strategy. Um, so I think clean data obviously has so many benefits. And then, you know, byproduct benefits. It's about choosing which one do you want to present based on who you're trying to bring in and what's that story that you're going to tell to make that connection. That means we, we as people that sell into the data marketplace have to be great storytellers because you got to be very fluid with your ability to adapt to different personalities and needs. And, and you're, you're right on. Um, you know, we want to kind of wrap it up here with just like you're this leader in the Marketo industry. You know, people are looking up to you, obviously, with the type of recognition that you've been getting recently. And um, what would you say to the new Marketo user who's out there, you know, looking at this as a new career or, you know, are there three things or uh, is there something really hot in the market that, that you think they should attach themselves to, 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 to experience rapid growth in their own professional, um, you know, outlook? What an incredible question. I think getting to know the tool is great. You will find that Marketo expertise to a certain level of, of being dangerous is, is hard to accomplish. So the more that you can get in the tool and get comfortable understanding what's possible, understanding how it works, you become more valuable in, in your job, right? Because you, you know, you know how to click more buttons. You know how to make more things happen. And then arm yourself. You know, this, I suppose, is a little biased because it's kind of like my story. But then arm yourself with understanding, well, why would I use that? What's the capability there? What's the business case that connects? That is such an underutilized segment of anyone who's a data hero, who's a Marketo user, who's in the operation space or the automation space. It's a big part of the reason why there is this rift in sales and marketing. It's, you know, I don't understand you and you don't understand me. The more that you can understand the work that you do and how it relates to the bigger picture of your organization, 
the better that you are, the more valuable that you can become. So really trying to look at the technology and the data as being a part of that larger strategic picture and not just standing on its own. But when it does come to that technology, if I had to have a third thing, it would be integrate yourself into the Marketo community. What a great, great place to be. There is constantly new content. There are always blogs. There are always people answering questions. Um, If you ever get stuck, you just post a screenshot of where you are. And I promise you within 10 minutes, it could be me. Somebody will reply and let you know. (laughs) Try this. Have you tried this? Can I jump on a screen share with you? Can I show you? It's really a user group of of friendly, collaborative people who all want to see each other succeed and share some of their secrets that they've learned. So definitely engage there. Yeah, I've experienced that as well. I mean, by far the, in my opinion, the top community. um, I mean, there are others out there as well, but like user groups, you know, the summit, I've been there seven years in a row. It's so fun and like entertaining. It's not just entertaining. You learn a ton. Um, and, and, and just the whole ecosystem, it's, it's grown, it's expanded and, and we're happy to be part of it. And I'm sure, I'm sure you are as well. And I sure just again, want to congratulate you for, uh, you know, being a champion this year. And, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think we have a hundred more things to talk about. So maybe <laughs> down the road, we'll, we'll chat again and, um, you know, really appreciate you, uh, coming on the show today and, and, and giving the audience such great insights. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. I'll come back with my uh, progressive profiling lead lifecycle template story. Oh, yeah. We'll all be waiting (laughs) for it. It's like, I'll fill in the blanks. (laughs) Thanks so much, John.